0: And when I fell, I landed on my wrist. And as somebody that uses their hands every day, I guess you never think about being injured or being sick until you're injured or you're sick. So got me started thinking, well, if I can't use my hand and wrist, where am I going to get money from? Because just at that time, there was only one stream of income coming in. It was just active income, which as you know, is the, the highest taxed income.
1: Hey, welcome to Ready to Scale Season 3. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. I'm a real estate investor, syndicator, and operator of multifamily properties. And in this season, we're going to focus on dialogues that drive success. Building real wealth is not a fairy tale nor rocket science, but there's so much to learn. So grab a cup of coffee and join me each week for in depth conversations with successful real estate investors. Conversations, that are designed to help you drive your wealth investment knowledge and lifestyle to the next level. And of course, you can always go to my website elliperlman.com, to read more about investing passively in multifamily. Today I'm speaking with Dr. Jeff Anzalone. So he's a periodontist from Louisiana. He's an author and founder of DebtFreeDoctor.com. He's also the author of Doctor's Passive Income Guide, How to Avoid the Number One Mistake Doctors Make with Their Investments. And his focus is help. Doctors and other high income professionals who create passive income from real estate, among others, so they can stop trading their time for money. Hey, Jeff, great having you on the show today.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you inviting me to be on your show and looking forward to providing value to your audience.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you're in the medical field, you know, you live in Louisiana, and is this your I'm assuming your full time occupation. Can you share with us what you investing in, and, you know, just for a starter, so we can kind of understand a little bit more about you?
0: Sure. Up until probably five or six years ago, I was about 98% in the stock market and specifically in index funds in both retirement accounts and post retirement accounts. And then I had a minor snow skiing accident where when I got off the lift with my wife, I had to sort of swerve to avoid hitting a kid that, that cut right in front of me. And when I fell, I landed on my wrist. And as somebody that uses their hands every day, I guess you never think about being injured or being sick until you're injured or you're sick. So got me started thinking, well, if I can't use my hand and wrist, where am I going to get money from? Cause just at that time there was only one stream of income coming in. It was just active income, which as you know, is the, the highest taxed income. And that's what got me starting down the road to looking for other sources of income, you know, specifically passive income, which eventually led me to investing shifting more. Now I'm probably 60% in the stock market and 40% in real estate, but I'm going to continue as I continue to transition out of my practice more towards real estate just from the investing for cash flow.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a good tool for that, even though, you know, in the stock market, there are some stocks that are paying dividends. I'm interested to kind of know what made you decide to transition more and allocate more money towards real estate is it mainly the cash flow that made you think about you know i need some s- consistent stream of income in case i can't really use my hands in case something happens to me i want to make sure that my family has you know steady income or was it something else
0: well yeah that was a big part of it just i've always read that the worst number in business that you can have is 1 You know, one of anything, you know, if you have all your eggs in one basket, or if you're relying on only one stream of income. So that, that was definitely a big part of it. The other part about it is with, in our field, the burnout rate is so high. And as our incomes go down, insurance reimbursements go down, we have to see more people to make the same amount of money or less with all the different regulations and, and everything else, more paperwork, more computer work, people are just burning out. And we, as you know, we get out with a lot of debt. So I didn't want to be the, the person to look up and have to work for 35 or 40 years, which is what most of the financial advisors tell us, you know, invest in a 401k work for 35, 40 years. And so that didn't leave me any options going the, I guess you could call that the traditional Retirement account route, which there's nothing wrong with it, but I wanted options. And that strategy did not give me any options. So I focus more now for cash flow, replacing our monthly personal expenses now. So, you know, I'm 46 now, and my goal is to, you know, in four or five years, if I want to transition out totally, I would be able to do that versus I would not have that option if I continued down the path that I was going.
1: Yeah. And you know, this is something that I've been hearing a lot from investors who are saying, my goal is to retire early or have the ability to transition out of my business or out of my my day job. I love what I do, but I don't see myself working in the same field until I'm 70 or 65 years old. I think it's interesting. It's kind of a shift that happens. And obviously, you know, not everyone can do that. It depends on how highly paid you are. The higher the salary, the higher, you know, the income from W2, the higher is the chance that you can actually transition out of it, which is kind of interesting because I definitely see the trend changing. And many investors just, you know, they start by investing passively on the side and then slowly they want to transition out so when they're in their 50s they still have time and energy and of course the money to pursue whatever they want to pursue if it's to be with their families to ski to golf to read to do whatever they want they don't want to wait until they're in their 70s to start enjoying life because you're going to be in a a different you know spot versus, you know, being in your 40s and 50s. That's very interesting. And so, and and I want to kind of go back to something you mentioned earlier, you said that income, W2 income is the highest in terms of the tax, it's the highest bracket out of all other sources of income. Can you talk a little bit more about it? You know, I'm, I'm really interested in hearing because for me, or from where I came from, the dream for many years was just to get by. And then once I managed to do that, the dream was to make enough money so I don't need to worry about money. But it looks like everyone is kind of shifting their focus. And that's what I've learned. Once you stop worrying about paying for food and, and medicine and you make enough money, then you have to deal with the tax consequences. You see the money coming in, and you know you need to say goodbye to a big chunk of it. You know, when we need to pay back to the IRS, what are your thoughts about that?
0: Well, what really opened my eyes was reading two books Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and then the, his Robert Kiyosaki's Cash Flow Quadrant, which for myself, I was working for another dental specialist when I got out, but you know, my quote dream was to start my own practice, you know, become a solo practitioner, which I did. And if you know anything about his quadrant, most of the people are on the left side, either you're an employee, you know, like you said, a W two employee working for somebody paying 35, 40% in taxes or you're self-employed. And you're paying, you know, 50, sometimes 60% or more in taxes because you have to pay, you know, self-employment tax as well. And I think that people don't realize, you know, that's a huge consequence. You know, all those years you had this huge tax burden versus getting on the right side of the quadrant, you know, being a either a business owner or an investor. And once I read that, that, you know, really opened my eyes to what, the path that I was going down that I needed to make a a change. And that was another reason why I started looking into other ways to bring in passive income, so not continue to trade, you know, our time or my time for dollars.
1: Yeah. And that's a huge shift Yeah, we have so many hours, you know, in a day, but when you have an investment that keeps generating cash flow that's infinite doesn't matter how many hours a day, it's still going to continue bringing you, you know, more and more income. What do you think about the tax strategies that you would recommend an investor to use? I can tell you from my point of view, as a multifamily syndicator, we're basically using cost aggregation to maximize the, the amount of losses on paper. So, investors, you know, if they made say $25,000 in profit or $100,000 in profit, then they rarely pay any tax on it because we have so many losses on paper from the capital expenditures, from the depreciation, and pretty much we're kind of trying to bring everything in the first year, you know, year one bonus depreciation, so we can take advantage of the tax benefits. It's helpful to lower the income from passive investments. But if another doctor would invest with us, and we have doctors that invest with us, they really can't lower their W 2 income because it's an active income unless they're considered to be real estate professionals. And then they can, it definitely helps with W 2. Do you mind sharing what you're doing? You know, what strategies you're using to lower the tax burden?
0: Yeah. And I speak with a lot of, you know, physicians, dentists, high income earners that that are W2 and they work for somebody that they provide a, some sort of retirement account, like a 401k or something like that with a match. So that's probably one of the best ways to right off the bat, get an annual tax deduction, you know, investing in retirement accounts, you know, where it's a 401k, 403b, because in you know every dollar that you put in is not taxed until you take it out and so basically you know we think about whenever we get into if if you go that route whenever we get into retirement hopefully at that time you know most stuff is paid off and you know your kids have moved out so more than likely you're going to be in a lower tax bracket at that point you know, hopefully, when you do start taking money out at that time, it's going to be taxed at a much lower rate than it would have been if you'd had to pay taxes on it when you're earning it now. So, at this time of us recording this, I believe it's, you know, for a four hundred one k, I think you can put into ni- up to nineteen thousand five hundred a year, and then you know you could, you know, if you get a match or something like that. I know that the the SEP and solo 401ks, they go up more, you know, maybe 58,000, something like that. So, you know, you can get a, quite a big amount of deduction with that. I do know some people will do a a Roth IRA conversion where you can convert your, if you have like a SEP or a traditional or a simple IRA to a Roth IRA. So, you know, you, you won't get the tax deduction. Basically, when you fund it, but it does grow tax free. And then when you take it out, it's also tax free. So you won't have to be worrying about when you do retire, calculating, well, you know, what your taxes are going to be on it or whatever, because, you know, that's already been taken care of. And of course, we know about real estate and all of your listeners, I'm sure, very well educated on a lot of that. You talked about real estate professional status. Several of people that I talked to have a either a a part-time working spouse or they don't work at all and educating them on the real estate professional status and how their spouse could get involved that would really help them decrease their tax burden from their active income that really piques a lot of interest with that
1: how do you do that that's actually very interesting because there are a lot of doctors that are listening to us right now and their spouse is not working, or working, or you know, a few hours a day or a week. How can you adjust the occupation? What you're talking about is adjusting the spouse's occupation to be in real estate, so they can basically maximize the losses and the tax benefits from real estate investments. Or we're talking about something else.
0: So the the CPA that I'm working with now, that's really geared towards real estate. He helps. You, know, you want to make sure you work with a, a professional that knows about real estate before you, you know try this at home, DIY or something. But as long as the part-time or the non-working spouse, you know, meets the IRS criteria, you know, there's certain criteria of the how many hours. I think it's about 15 hours a week, 750 hours a year actively in real estate. So most of the time they just recommend them getting a realtor's license and being actively involved and then from what I understand again I'm not an accountant but the passive losses that they get would be able to offset some of their active income from the other spouse so you know you have somebody that's not really working much they could act you know potentially save them hundreds of thousands of dollars or more over the course of their spouse's career just by you know doing that so that's just something to look at because you know once we get to the point that we're in you know 40 plus percent tax bracket you know sometimes it just makes a lot of sense to do that
1: interesting that's very creative i didn't think about it to basically have the spouse working as a real estate professional but the investor but it's an issue because if you have a full-time job, or if you run a practice, you don't have the luxury of spending 10 or 15 hours a week actively working in real estate. That was really interesting. Before we move to the lightning round questions, is there any, you know, advice that you can give to doctors and and other highly paid executives that something that they can do that can reduce their tax bracket or their tax burden?
0: They may want to consider and again speak with their accountant, but if they could start like a little side business, you know, anything that that they could do to lower where they, you know, all the money that's coming into the business or practice now could potentially split up some into the side business, and then which that would lower the overall tax rate of you know of the the family that's you know filing. So there, there's some creative ways that that you can look at. So just sometimes you have to think outside the box and get a creative, an accountant that can just, you know, of course, legally um, advise you, but that's another way to, you know, to do that. Another thing that I did not mention was a health savings account, which I don't think a lot of people really think about that, but that's about the only triple tax advantaged account I can think of because when you contribute to that, the contributions are tax deductible it grows tax free. And then when you take it out, the withdrawals are tax free. And as of now, the limits, I think for families are like about 70, 200 bucks, I think a year. And you know, like I said, you can deduct your annual HSA contributions from your income taxes each year. One thing that you can do once you reach age 65, you can withdraw the funds from the HSA for any reason without penalty. So if the money is used from, you know, non-medical expenses, you'll only have to pay regular income tax on the withdrawals. But I know sometimes what people will do now is they'll fully fund their HSA now, and then they'll pay for any medical expenses out of pocket, keep the receipts. And then when they withdraw the money. Then they won't even have to pay taxes on that as, as long as it will equal what they've already paid you know let's say i spend 10 grand this year in medical expenses and then i keep those receipts well then down the road you can take 10 grand out of there and you won't have to pay any tax on it because you've matched it up like that so that's that's you know a kind of another way to fund your retirement plus save on your taxes that's very
1: interesting well thank you so much jeff for sharing The very creative tax reduction strategies, that's very interesting. And I think we definitely added some value to our listeners. So we've arrived to the lightning round questions. That's the last part of the podcast today. The first one is about your favorite hobby, and I'm assuming it's not snowboarding.
0: (laughs) I've never snowboarded before, but I love to snow ski. But my favorite hobby would be playing tennis with my family. And I love to hunt and fish, you know, being from Louisiana. Ooh. So outdoor stuff.
1: All right. What's the one thing that people don't know about you?
0: Even though, I'm, um, you know, I do a lot of these podcasts and I, and I speak and I talk to patients all the time, I'm really more introverted. And like to, you know, to be to myself a lot more than I do around other people. Like my quiet time.
1: (laughs) Quiet time. I think you probably get it now more than ever. Yeah. So what do you wish you'd known when you first started investing? Maybe when you just transitioned to real estate?
0: Yeah, that's easy. I wish I would have known right when I'd started practicing about go ahead and investing for cash flow and knowing all of those things about investing for different streams of income instead of just one retirement account. So if I could go back, I would definitely change that.
1: All right. So Jeff, where can people find you?
0: They go to my website, debtfreedr.com. As you had mentioned, I have a passive income guide that they can download, or if they have any specific questions, they can email me at jeff at debtfreedr.com.
1: All right, Jeff, thank you so much for sharing, you know, the last 30, 35 minutes of your day with me talking about tax strategies, investing in the stock market and in real estate. And, you know, I I hope that that was enjoyable and fun for you too. Thank you so much.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate it.
1: All right, guys, that's it for today. Be bold, be great and keep moving forward. And I'll see you on the next episode.